African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. A very good morning to you. You tuned in to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. The name of the show is African Dialogue. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host for today. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane, and we're currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Before we get to our program, which will be looking at the 35th Southern African Development Communities two-day summit in Khaboruni, Botswana, let's get the news and here's Anne Musa with the details. In the headlines, the United States considers new sanctions on South Sudan if a peace agreement is not signed. South Africa's Justice and Correctional Services Minister seeks legal advice on the release of Paralympian Oscar Pistorius from prison and the World Health Organization estimates more than a million children die each year from preventable diseases. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. We start off with news just in. Appeals judges at the International Criminal Court has referred Kenya's non-cooperation case back to the trial chambers for review. Judges had to decide whether the Kenyan government blocked evidence in the case of Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta. President Kenyatta saw the five charges he faced of crimes against humanity dropped in December last year. The charges related to his alleged involvement in the post-election violence of 2008 in Kenya. The United States has begun talks at the United Nations to sanction South Sudan if its government doesn't sign a peace deal with rebels within 15 days. Susan Rice in a White House statement says President Salvakir again squandered an opportunity to bring peace. Meanwhile, UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon expressed strong hope that Kir will sign the agreement by the end of the 15-day extension. Kir refused to fully endorse the agreement signed by rebel leader Raik Machai in Addis Ababa on Monday. Show and Bryce Peace reports. In a statement, Ban Ki-moon welcomed the signing of the IGAD-mediated agreement by Machai while urging Kir 
to do the same. The Secretary-General also praised the IGAD mediation for its tireless efforts to assist the parties reach agreement and was encouraged by the regional and international consensus in support of it, which the United Nations also signed as a witness. The ban also reaffirmed the organization's continued readiness to work with IGAD, the African Union and other international partners to finalize the agreement and move swiftly towards its implementation. The United States has also denounced Egypt's newly expanded counter-terrorism law, expressing concern about its potential impact on human rights. On Sunday, President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi signed a law that expands the government's surveillance powers. The new law comes after a string of attacks on military and police by the Sinai province, the local affiliate of the Islamic State group. U.S. State Department spokesperson John Kirby, however, reaffirmed that Washington stands with Egypt in its fight against terror. South Africa's Justice and Correctional Services Minister Michael Masuta says he's seeking legal advice on the release of Paralympian Oscar Pistorius. He says he wants to be sure the law has not been misinterpreted. Pistorius is scheduled to be released on probation on Friday. Masuta has responded to a petition from a rights group. If we say this is the law, we must be sure that this indeed is the law because it would be egg in our face if it turns out that actually we've misinterpreted the law. My starting point is upholding the rule of law. That's what the Constitution requires. Nothing to do with publicity, with the fact that it's a high-profile matter. The World Health Organization says people who delay or refuse vaccines for themselves or their children are presenting a growing challenge for countries seeking to close the immunization gap. The UN Health Agency estimates that globally one in five children still do not receive routine life-saving immunizations and an estimated one and a half million children die each year of diseases that could be prevented by vaccines. Stephanie Kutrix reports. The World Health Organization, WHO, says the issue is complex and influenced by factors such as misinformation, complacency, convenience and confidence. Some people reportedly have negative beliefs based on myths such as vaccination of women leading to infertility. Recommendations proposed by WHO in the recent published editorial aim to increase the understanding of vaccine hesitancy, its determinants and challenges. And finally, the owner of the game farm on which Cecil the lion was killed in Zimbabwe in July has been charged for allowing an illegal hunt on his land. Honest and Lovo allegedly allowed American dentist Walter Palmer to hunt and kill the black-maned lion with a bow and arrow without permission for a lion hunt on his farm. And Lovo's farm is separated from the Awangi National Park by a railway line. And Lovo is free on $200 bail. And the case has been postponed to Tuesday. The charge carries a one-year jail term or $400 fine. No charges have been brought brought against Palmer. Recapping the top stories, the U.S. considers new sanctions on South Sudan if a peace agreement is not signed. South Africa's Justice and Correctional Services Minister seeks legal advice on the release of Paralympian Oscar Pistorius from prison. And the World Health Organization estimates more than a million children die each year from preventable diseases.
Thank you, Anne, for the news update. This is African Dialogue here on Channel Africa that you are listening to. My name is Asanda Mazaunyane, your host for today. And remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours. That's Central African time. You're welcome to interact with us via Facebook and Twitter, or you can simply SMS your views. Our number is plus 27079695 Now, on the topic of today, the Southern African Development Community's 35th Summit ended in Khabarone, Botswana, yesterday, and Amnesty International has urged Botswana's President Ian Kama to use his tenure and leadership position as chairperson of the organization to prioritize finding solutions to the human rights crisis in the region. Amnesty says the most pressing issues President Kama should address include the ongoing suppression of dissent in Angola and the killing and torture of police and soldiers accused of leading a mutiny in Lesotho. That's following his takeover from President Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. And to look at what the SADC is all about and to scrutinize the outcome of the 35th summit that has just concluded, we are joined on the line by a few guests and we will introduce them. But first, let's get into the business or let's rather listen to a report by Anne Musa on why and what the SADC is all about and what it aims to strive for. The Southern African Development Community, SADC, has its origins in the Southern African Development Coordination Conference, which was established in 1980. In 1992, the member states signed the Declaration and Treaty establishing SADC as a replacement to the SADCC. It was formed with four principal objectives, namely reduction of member state dependence, particularly but not only on apartheid South Africa, forging of linkages to create genuine and equitable regional integration, mobilization of member states' resources to promote the implementation of national, interstate and regional policies, and concerted action to secure international cooperation within the framework of the strategy for economic liberation. That uh, was a report by Anne Musa looking at what the Southern African Development Community is all about. Now let's get to the business of the day and our guests uh, include Knox Chitio, who is Associate Fellow at Chapman House based in London. And uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Maluka Miti Drummond is another guest who's Regional Advocacy Director, Southern Africa Litigation Centre, that's the SALC. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Ms. Colleen Lowemona is GenderLink's Chief Executive Officer. We say good morning to you on Africa Dialogue. Morning. How are you? We well, thank you. And then Dewa Mabinga, Senior Researcher in Zimbabwe's Southern African Human Rights Watch. Good morning to you as well. Morning, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today, all of you. The first question I'd like to ask, and I guess I'll pose this to anyone on the panel, the 35th summit of the Southern African Development Community has come and gone. Would you say it was a success? And if so, what, what informs your response to say it was a success? Maybe let's start with Knox. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, there's a deafening <laughs> silence, I think, from, from all of us, frankly, trying to decide. Um, I, I guess it depends what you measure by success. I think what I, what I would rather say is I, I think it comes at a pivotal point um, for SADC, and I know people are always saying this, but um, if you look, we're seeing a new generation of leaders um, coming through in SADC. Uh, I think there are four new um, heads of state who were who at this particular summit, and, of course, you also have Ian Kama. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's of a, a younger generation. Um, so in, in that sense, it comes at a pivotal point. Also, I think that the, the discussion on um, integration and industrialization is absolutely key to, to SADC's development. I think what could have been discussed perhaps a little bit more um, was what you alluded to right right at the beginning and you know um, what had been talked about by Amnesty and Human Rights and so on and so forth. So in the sense of um, adopting a clear program of action with regards to industrialization, I think I think we can say that has been fairly successful. But with regard to the issues around governance, which have been um, an issue within SADC, I think uh, there's a lot more work which needs to be done. But uh, perhaps I'll, I'll invite my colleagues to, to speak more on that. Maluka, would you say that the summit did live up to its theme, which was industrialization for the SADC and uh, regional development and integration? Um, I think I'll agree with uh, Knox's previous speaker. Um, mm-hmm. As far I, I don't think I'm best uh, placed to talk about the regional integration and um, economic development, but I think what is key is even when we do talk about regional integration and economic development, there cannot be any regional integration, there cannot be any economic development without stability, and there cannot be any stability without a respect for human rights um, and the rule of law uh, in the region. Um, and therefore, I think it was a bit of a failure because of the failure to look at that, to, to examine the human rights situation and, um, you know, to, to take that on board seriously. I mean, one of the issues that we have uh, alluded to and talked about at the Southern Africa Litigation Center is the SADC Tribunal. And the SADC Tribunal was established and would have been able to protect human rights and um, individuals would have access to that. But that's been suspended. And there's been a move to remove the human rights and individual access to the tribunal. And I think without that, there cannot be any regional integration or uh, stability in the region or economic development, especially because now corporations also will not have access to that. Um, and mm-hmm. I think also for us there was a concern with regards to Lesotho and the position taken on Lesotho um, during the summit, um, particularly because, you know, the SADC uh, double troika decided on a commission of inquiry into Lesotho, and this postpones um, the, the trials of, of the soldiers in Lesotho um, affecting their right to fair trials and their right not to be detained for longer than, you know, the stipulated periods. And why, in your opinion, was it suspended? Because, I mean, it was there to uphold the rule of law and human rights, like you say, there is lack in those, uh, in those uh, you know, important things. Why was it suspended in the first place? That's another concern that we would have with SADC, uh, I mean, with the SADC tribe, you know, that um, it seems to be selective in the way that it does things um, and seems to lean on the side of certain individuals and groups of people. Uh, from what we can see, that the SADC tribunal was suspended due to controversy over certain cases that were taken on uh, to the SADC tribunal, um, specifically, you know, the, the land rights issues, the cases brought by Zimbabwean farmers to the SADC tribunal. Um, regardless of that case, it, you know, it's a very important tribunal, regardless of what anyone might say. What came out of the, after that was Zimbabwe challenging the legitimacy of the court, 
and although there has been an independent um, you know, independent review which stated that it was properly constituted under international laws and did have the right to hear human rights cases and did have the right to hear individual cases. The SADC tribunal, I mean the SADC summit decided to suspend it, continue its suspension in 2011 and in 2014 remove individual access and human rights. Um, so that's also a concern because we must bear in mind that SADC summit is supposed to consult civil society in the region, um, is supposed to represent the people in the region, and taking decisions that take away access to justice for individuals in the region, in the region is not representative of the people in the region. And therefore SADC in that has failed the people in the region. Dewa, let's come to you. Amnesty says human rights violations are being trampled upon in Angola, uh, Lesotho, Zimbabwe, as uh, Maluka has, has uh, you know, mentioned there, Swaziland and Zambia as well. Could you elaborate on, on some of these human rights violations? Uh, yes, certainly. Also to emphasize that uh, the failure to restore the original SADC tribunal with a human rights mandate uh, is um, a huge failing by the SADC leadership and also the failure to uh, criticize and to demand member states that um, have got poor human rights records, like Zimbabwe, for example, uh, where we have um, a leading human rights activist who has been disappeared and missing for over five months now, where we also have the government of Zimbabwe failing to uh, protect the rights of some 20,000 uh, internally displaced people in the country. The government has literally turned its back on those people. Uh, Countries like, like Angola, uh, journalists are under siege. Uh, the government there is using uh, draconian laws uh, to try and clamp down on, on uh, uh, fundamental rights. And the same applies to Swaziland, where uh, the judiciary is, is not um, clearly independent, where also uh, opposition political parties they have been banned since 1973 effectively, and where uh, activists find it difficult to uh, exercise their rights. So these are the huge challenges uh, which uh, point to a failure by SADC leadership uh, to deal directly with those issues and um, to try and uh, live in silos where they are only focusing on economic development or uh, trade or regional integration. But the the, the foundation for these things really is um, uh, good governance, uh, rule of law and human rights respect. Colleen, uh, member states of the SADC have committed themselves to mainstreaming gender into their program of action. Would you say there's an improvement of sorts regarding that issue? Thank you. Uh, well, let me start with a communique that was issued, which we are very uh, disappointed about because it's extremely bland and it refers, as usual, to women's political participation, which is important, but it's only a very small part of what this campaign is all about. Um, SADC has a protocol on gender and development, uh, which had 28 targets to be achieved by 2015. This was really a moment for the state to reflect on how far we have come and where we need to go. Um, we had uh, a summit prior to this in Khabaroni, at which we launched our 2015 barometer which raised very serious concerns around the sort of one step forward, two step backwards. Yes, we've made some progress around political participation, um, around education, HIV and AIDS, but we still have very major problems around gender inequality in the SADC region. You've mentioned disappointment and concerns around the SADC gender protocol. What could be hindering progress on this particular topic? Political will, in a nutshell, because what heads of state needed to do at the summit was apply themselves to the fact that 2015 has arrived, 
uh, and that we now need to reposition ourselves for 2030 in line with the Sustainable Development Goals, which actually are much clearer now on issues of gender than were the Millennium Development Goals. But it would appear that, you know, heads of state did the usual ticking of the box around women, particularly important in a year when we're talking about industrialization, human resource development, et cetera, et cetera. The question SADAC has to keep asking itself is development for who when 51% of the population is effectively left out. And uh, coming back to you, Knox, you mentioned, you know, that there is a new generation of leaders that have come out. Maybe that's one of the positive things that has come out so far in our debate or in our talk. How do you think that can link to, you know, what uh, um, Colleen has mentioned about the will, the political will lacking? Is there maybe a hope in that uh, because there are a new generation of leaders, this could turn around in your view? Well, I think there is some some hope, but uh, I think we also have to be cautious because, Often, you know, SADC has been freighted with um, huge expectations which are not always fulfilled. But I think this is probably the first time in a long time that we've seen so many new um, leaders coming through um, in Lesotho, Namibia, um, Edgar Lungu from Zambia, Philip Nusu. They are a younger generation. Yes, they are, you know, part of, in a sense, uh, part of the incumbency generation. They're from the same parties, but a new um, leadership. Um, I think the hope is that karma will be driving forward um, the agenda on industrial, sorry, agenda on industrialization, um, agenda and so on and so forth. But, you know, we have to be fairly realistic here because um, SADC, one of SADC's uh, weaknesses, unfortunately, is the lack of capacity, um, you know, with regards to funding and so on and so forth. Um, so there's only so much um, that, um, that that leaders can do. So one hopes that with this new generation they will try and push through um, some of the things that they've indicated that they want to push through on the uh, regional indicative strategy development plan. And one also hopes, you know, given that um, the, the chair of the SADC Secretariat is, is a lady, Dr. Dr. Tax, uh, one hopes that perhaps she can as well try and um, push through on things like, like gender and um, governance and so on and so forth, because she is um, uniquely placed, I think, to, to do so. And there, there are some um, ladies coming, women coming through uh, within the SADC um, organization itself, but I think it remains to be seen. But I think there is, I would say, a, a, a wider hope this time that this new generation coming through, that they will actually, rather than just um, ticking boxes, as has been mentioned before, that they will actually be much more proactive and actually mm-hmm. try and get the agenda all right, let's, ta- let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be back right after this and continue with our chat. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views and great African entertainment. Bonjour à tous, merci encore une fois d'être sur Channel Africa. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. 
Welcome back to African Dialogue. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We're coming to you live in Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane, talking the Southern African Development Community's 35th Summit today, as well as just SADC in general. Colleen, the issue of xenophobia featured high in the summit, uh, the summit's agenda, but in defense against a barrage of criticism over deaths of foreigners, the South African government threw back the gauntlet to African leaders by saying that if they were managing the politics correctly, then foreigners would not be flocking into their shores. Was this reiterated during the summit? Well, I wasn't at the summit itself. Um, I think this is always going to be a little bit of a a, a tricky issue. Uh, But I do think that um, South Africa uh, needs to be a lot more introspective about the issue of xenophobia. Yes, of course, it is a bigger question around... um, you know the the state of the economies in uh, you know of the, in neighboring countries, but none of that can justify what we saw this year uh, in South Africa, and I think that we need much more leadership from the front. Uh, South Africa, in particular, is a country that has a history um, around you know fighting phobias of all kinds, uh, and therefore to to not introspect as to you know, why we saw the kinds of behaviors that we saw and not standing up to say that they're completely unjustified and they undermine everything that SADC stands for. The bigger issue is we should be working towards a common market, and a common market means free movement of people. Um, And South Africa also fails to understand, actually, the value uh, that the foreigners, you know, bring to South Africa, many of them in skilled jobs, maybe in some unskilled jobs as well. So I think that, um, you know, South Africa should be showing much more leadership around this issue. Maluka, what's your view? Is South Africa the main, you know, the main country responsible? Or do you think there is some level of responsibility on other countries as well on this issue of xenophobia? Um, I agree that there's a need for all countries to be held accountable. South Africa cannot push, you know, push the buck to other countries. Um, South Africa needs to protect uh, people in its in its uh, territory, bearing in mind that you know the right to be free from torture, the right to life, these are all rights that are non-derogable. There's actually absolutely no excuse to to violate these rights in any country, um, and so South Africa's position cannot be justified. They have to be held accountable. Um, regional integration, as well, as I agree with what Maureen has said. That's part of it. If we're talking about regional integration, we're also looking towards free movement um, and. So South Africa cannot push the gauntlet. But also, I mean, just to, uh, I just also wanted to comment on the issue that you said about the SADC gender protocol. Um, for us, it's concerning that Botswana has taken chair of SADC, but has not signed the SADC gender protocol. So it is quite concerning that we have a chair of SADC that does not recognize the rights, you know, women's rights that are contained in the SADC gender protocol. Um, another thing as well, sorry to push the issue of the SADC tribunal, mm-hmm. but the issue is the SADC gender protocol says that if there's any disputes with regards to the SADC gender protocol, these disputes should be taken before the SADC tribunal, the same SADC tribunal that the heads of states have suspended um, and that, will, you know, individuals will not be able to take um, cases too. So there is a need for um, individual, for heads of states to be held accountable in all areas, not just gender issues, not just xenophobia, but all areas in general. 
Uh, Dewa, linking to what uh, uh, Maluka is is uh, talking about, I think before we went on to the break, Knox posed the challenge as well, that there needs to be, uh, you know, gender needs to be a priority in order to address some of the SADC weaknesses. Now Maluka is talking about the SADC gender protocol. How do we change the face of the SADC gender protocol in your view? Well, I think uh, this does show that there is... Uh uh, a lack of commitment to uh, human rights issues, particularly to uh, gender equality and the promotion of, of, of gender issues. Uh, for example, the, as indicated, uh, uh, Botswana is taking over as SADC chair, but he has not signed uh, this, uh, the gender, SADC gender protocol. So that, that is um, uh, a, a huge challenge. But in terms of how to change the dynamics, uh, what we need is to uh, get to a point where the SADC leaders themselves begin to appreciate uh, uh, through advocacy and other means that uh, uh, ensuring gender equality and promoting uh, gender equality is in itself uh, key uh, to achieving sustainable development, to achieving peace and stability, and to achieving uh, regional economic integration, because without that, Without that sense that of self-interest on the part of SADC leaders, they will continue to isolate and see things uh, in 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 in, uh, in combatments and not uh, comprehensively to say that uh, without uh, gender equality, without human rights respect, you cannot have sustainable development regionally. And uh, this also relates to uh, uh, one of the challenges that we have seen with SADC leadership, where. Countries like South Africa are happy to to say they have human rights, respect they have the, the rule of law and things like that, but are not willing to push for that across Southern Africa. So we then have a mismatched development. You then have Zimbabwe with millions of people flocking out of the country, uh, putting pressure on South Africa, uh, triggering xenophobia. Uh, but South Africa failing to see that in the long term, it is necessary to ensure that there is uh, human rights respect and the rule of law support in Zimbabwe in order to address issues like xenophobia and in order to address issues like uh, uh, border development and in, in regional integration. And uh, uh, Knox, if I may just pose this one to you, leaders at uh, the summit were pressured uh, the, or have pressured the Lesotho government to agree uh, to the in- institution of a judicial commission of inquiry into the death of former army commander Brigadier Maparangwe Mahau. We know that was making headlines in the news. Do we know how far this commission is as we speak? I think we're still waiting for uh, a follow-up report on exactly how far the commission um, has gone with this. So at the moment, um, I think it, it's unclear exactly how far um, the commission has gone. But if I may, just coming back to another uh, point which has mm-hmm. been raised, I think, by, by everyone um, so far, I think part of the, the uh, challenge within SADC is the, um, what can I say, the, the uh, breakage between civil society um, and the leadership within SADC. I think this has been a historic issue, a, a historic problem, a historic challenge, and, and I think this is one of the issues which is informing things um, such as gender and so on and so forth. I think there is quite a divide between civil society and leadership, and I think one of the challenges for SADC um, going forward, and not just for SADC as an institution uh, or as an organization, but um, this, the Southern African community itself is to try and 
close that divide between civil society and, and leaders. Because, in a sense, this really informs most of what Sadek as an organization does and also the, the development agenda um, itself. So I think this is a big, big issue, which hasn't really been um, brought out that much in, in meetings or in public diplomacy, but I think it is a big, big issue. And speaking of that divide, uh, Colleen, there's a concern that in most SATIC countries, parliamentarians do not debate uh, critical issues affecting the status of their citizens' governance, maybe because they are so out of touch, and that they are overly concerned with debates that do not actually enhance development. What's your response to that? Yeah, I think as my colleagues have uh, stated, you know, the issue of citizen participation uh, is really a huge one. Uh, for a start, uh, the, you know, access of civil society to SADAC processes um, is, is severely constrained. Um, we have one entity, the SADAC, you know, Congress of um, NGOs that has accreditation uh, to SADAC and one or two are, you know, able to attend the heads of state meetings. But otherwise, everything to do with citizens happens on the periphery. Uh, of SADAC meetings, and that's really, you know, not the way the world is going. You know, the world, UN, other intergovernmental organizations have opened up hugely to NGO participation because they recognize, you know, the absolute significance of having the voices of citizens in their decision-making processes. We are fairly fortunate in the gender sector in that we've literally, you know, found our way in there because, you know, we do good work, we do good research, and so on. Uh, but um, other civil society organizations find it very, very difficult um, to, to penetrate and be a meaningful part of these processes. And, uh, talking on that same topic of Lesotho, Dewa, uh, President Jacob Zuma of South Africa has handed over the chairmanship of the SADC organ for peace, politics, defense and security to the Republic of Mozambique and uh, takes over even though there are deep divisions in the Lesotho political landscape. Was he being successful or inadequate in resolving the Lesotho political mess by doing that? Well, uh, there were uh, some uh, small victories when you look at um, uh, arresting the situation and preventing uh, further um, uh, disintegration in the situation in Lesotho. But the the challenge uh, here is that uh, there is need to ensure that even as Mozambique takes over, uh, there is a review of the guiding principles that are um, used by SADC leaders in terms of um, uh, reluctance to interfere in member states' uh, situations and uh, on the basis that they are uh, uh, respecting the principle of uh, uh, state sovereignty or that they, they would not want to uh, actively at a multilateral level uh, be involved. So what is important now is to say uh, the things that underpin uh, Peace and stability in uh, in Lesotho uh, should not just be, you know, the technical aspects uh, that relate to, um, uh, to to governance or constitutional review, but also this should be underpinned by ensuring that there is genuine respect for for human rights and that indeed SADC uh, has a commitment uh, to uh, say it will be in a position to step in, uh, notwithstanding the other principles like um, uh, state sovereignty or non-interference in member states. All right, we're going to take another commercial break and we'll be back right after this to continue our talk.
would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One. Or write to us at the address PO Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back to African Dialogue. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm your host, Asanda Matsaunyani, today, and we are discussing Southern African Development Community's 35th Summit, which ended in Gaboroni, Botswana, yesterday. Before we took the break, uh, there seems to be the recurring theme that this is not just an issue of a, or that can be tackled only on a political landscape, but it is a human rights issue as well. And Knox also mentioned that, you know, there's also the issue of media censorship or the media being interfered with and then I think he also made the gave the challenge of the agenda being needed to be a priority maybe I can pose this one to the ladies in the group Maluka and uh, and Colleen how do we make sure that gender is prioritized in the SATIC specifically for tackling the issues that are of concern start with you Maluka um, thanks for the opportunity Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, before I answer that, I also just want to um, respond to the issues you, you raised earlier about Lesotho. Um, and I'd like to acknowledge SADC's role in uh, being involved in Lesotho. But um, there are concerns that there's too much focus on the mutiny and not the broader, you know, the alleged mutiny attack and not the broader aspects and the human rights concerns. Um, we've been told, received reports of uh, alle- uh, torture of soldiers who have been detained. There have been reports of the soldiers being dragged into court for their habeas corpus, you know, for court proceedings, bleeding, visible signs of torture, and taken into court with masked, uh, masked by masked men with guns. This obviously affects the independence of the judiciary and leads to intimidation of the judiciary, and SADC is not looking into this. Um, the SADC double troika decision to postpone any court-martial until a commission of inquiry is done also affects the rights of people who are who have been detained because now they've been detained for over 70 days and yet they should only be detained for up to 42 days according to Lesotho's um, constitution. Um, there's also been threats, reports of threats uh, of, pe- of the families and the soldiers detained and just the militarized context. So while we acknowledge SADC's involvement, we also call on SADC to think of the consequences of the decisions that they take with regards to Lesotho, to look at the broader picture, the human rights picture. Um, so I just wanted to put that in. And um, just referring back to the issue of um, gender issues, uh, as, you know, political participation is always referred to, but we should also consider participation at the traditional level because when it comes to women, a lot of their rights are violated at the traditional customary level. Um, and we know that there are countries such as uh, Lesotho as well. I'm going back to Lesotho, but we know Lesotho uh, recently refused a woman who wanted to become chief solely on the basis that she was a woman. Um, and we received reports, you know, the, the court said that Lesotho is not ready for a female chief. Uh, these are things that need to be tackled. We need to have protection of women's rights at all levels, not just and political participation at all levels, not just in government, but also at the traditional uh, aspects. And 
there's also a need to acknowledge that without the empowerment of women, uh, economic development will suffer. Women do contribute a lot to development and they need their rights to be protected as well. Colleen, what would you add? Thanks. Um, I, I absolutely agree that you know many of the forms of um, discrimination against women happen, um, you know, in context in context outside of the of state structures. However, obviously, states have a very key role to play in terms of enforcing norms and standards. Now, in the case of um, SADC, what is unique is that there is this instrument, the uh, Protocol on Gender and Development, which is different from the other 26 SADC protocols in that it's got specific um, uh, targets uh, and indicators. Indeed, you know, gender ministers have resolved to have a monitoring, evaluation, and results framework, which is quite unique uh, with the other SADC protocols. Um, and in some respects, the SADC Secretariat has, has tried to sort of hold this sector back by saying this is not common in the rest of SADC, and the gender sector has pointed out that this issue is too fundamental not to have um, these rigorous systems in place. So what we need from heads of state is um, firm political backing for those sorts of processes around the gender protocol. Then we also need uh, those norms and standards to be mainstreamed, to use the you know, oft-used terms, across the other 26 protocols. We're beginning to find in the newer protocols um, fairly good and strong references to gender. For example, the recent uh, protocol on the environment uh, has a strong section on gender. The protocol on labor and employment that was adopted in 2014 also has strong references to gender. So we need gender... Uh, to be a standalone and very visible uh, pillar within SADC, but we also need it cross-referenced with all the other pillars of SADC. Uh, Dewa, you mentioned the issue of media freedom and media diversity being under threat, especially you made examples of Angola and Swaziland. How do these get tackled uh, with reference to SADC challenges? How do we turn this around? Uh, I think it goes back to uh, an understanding of development or economic development that is broader and that is all encompassing to say. Uh, it is in the self-interest of SADC leaders and SADC states uh, to ensure that there is uh, freedom uh, of, um, uh, for, for journalists to operate freely so that uh, it ensures accountability and transparency and addresses issues of corruption. Uh, so if they do not understand this, this particular point, it becomes difficult because there is a sense uh, that to guarantee uh, uh, journalists' uh, freedoms, uh, media freedom, uh, would be to uh, give a blank check for elements that would undermine governments. But it must be viewed as something that promotes the self-interest of these governments uh, by encouraging uh, a culture of accountability and transparency and by viewing development and human rights issues as being uh, mutually symbiotic and supportive of each other. Uh, if you look at uh, you know uh, 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 development and, uh, and economic uh, thinkers like Amartya Sen, who talks of development as freedom of the relationship, the intricate relationship between um, ensuring access to information and uh, promoting accountability and transparency, and ultimately leading to sustainable development. And I think this is where uh, uh, regional leaders in, in SADC are missing it, and uh, you would also see the same would apply to um, the independence of the judiciary and other 
oversight institutions like public protectors across the region. There is need to strengthen these institutions in order to uh, guarantee lasting uh, development, peace and stability. And finally, Inox, I think my final question I can pose to you. The, the power supply situation in the SADC region is reaching crisis levels, and this is with consistent power interruptions because there are no concrete steps taken to increase the region's power generation capacity. And maybe this comes back into the issue of funding. But what are the resolutions taken around this issue? Well, this has been a, a long-standing issue, both uh, at country level, because I mean, South Africa itself has had issues with, with regards to power supply through ESCOM, but also um, at a regional level. Um, there, there has been um, a protocol on uh, power supply and, and energy development, and it's now part of the um, RISDP um, plan. But again, you know, we could go on and on about it. I think a lot of it comes down to, to, to political will, which we've, which we've been talking uh, about before. Um, if the political will um, is there, to, um, to to develop um, the, the the energy sector um, and 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 concretize what has been on time because the plans are there um, you know the agreements are there it's it's simply the political will to to make these things happen and to strategize and I think that is where the hope now is that with this younger generation of leaders coming through that they will be more proactive and engaged and with, with Ian Kama um, that they'll be more proactive and engaged and and actually um, look to, because all these things have got milestones um, there, um, so I think the idea is that this younger leadership will try and push for the milestones to be achieved and to take that forward. But again, it, it just comes down to the political will um, to, to, get this, to get this done, because the institutions are there, the agreements are there. And uh, I think SADC has, can, can do this. Yes, they do lack a bit of funding, but if the political will is there, um, these things can be achieved. All right, and on that note, we're going to close our debate or chat for today, and thank you so much to all of you for joining us here on African Dialogue. Thank you. Many thanks. Thank you. That uh, was Knox Chitio, Associate Fellow at Chapman House, Maluka Mitri Dramond, Regional Advocacy Director, Southern African Litigation Center, Colleen Lomona, Gender Licks Chief Executive Officer, as well as Dewa Mabinga, Senior Researcher, Zimbabwe, Southern African Human Rights Watch, talking SADC. Let's get uh, economics news now. Here's Wisani Matebula standing by. Thanks, Asanda, and good morning. Zimbabwe has disbursed uh, close to 50 million US dollars towards energy sector projects during the first half of the year. This as the country moves to alleviate power shortages. In his mid-term fiscal review, Finance Minister Patrick Shinamasa said of this amount, local resources contributed $23 million, while loan financing was $22 million, and development partners contributed $4.9 million. According to Chinamasa, the Kariba South Hydro Power Station extension project is on course for completion in 2018. In the docket on the theft of 77 uh, diamonds that disappeared from the NEMDEB laboratory 
at Oranje Mond in Namibia will be sent back to the police. This comes after a request for further investigations by the Karas Control Public Prosecutor's Office. Karas Control Public Prosecutor Peter Smith confirmed the development yesterday but did not give the details. And Kenya Commercial Bank has ramped up uh, plans to enter the property development market, targeting the growing upper, low to middle income homeowners with affordable units. The plan is part of the grant strategy to separate the mortgage lending department from the banking business. The setting up of the mortgage subsidiary is set to be completed by the end of the year. KCB's director of mortgage business, Sam Muturu, said this in an emailed response. And a recent report by a trekking company in South Africa has revealed that South Africa is the second most unequal country in the whole world with Lesotho at the helm. According to the report over the last year, the most expensive products have increased by 17%, while the cheapest have decreased by a mere 3%. Chief Economist at Efficient Group, David Roth, talking to Zikona Miso. All right. Well, first of all, what the report means is that we all have different inflation rates. Mm-hmm. You've got a different consumption pattern. I've got a different consumption mm-hmm. pattern. We all have different consumption patterns. And the prices of the various goods that you and I consume increase at different rates. And South Africa's National Collective Bargaining Officer, Samu Kumani Gaike says he's on his way to a meeting to find out whether some workers have embarked on a strike. The strike notice has been handed to Rainwater by the South African Municipal Workers Union and has expired last night. This comes after Rainwater failed to meet the salary demand of a 10% wage increase. Financial indicators, the dollar at 12.9, South African rands at 10.05, Botswana Pula, and 7.92 to the Zambian Kwacha. It's also trading at 0.63 to the British pound and 0.89 against the euro. Gold at $1,117 and the platinum at $992. Brand crude oil has gone down by one notch, now is at $48, having closed at $49 yesterday. That's how it's looking. Thank you, Wissani. Let's get news from the world of sports. Here's Fikile Lingwati. In our sports update this hour, we're starting off with tennis news. Wheelchair Tennis South Africa hosted two successful development tennis camps in this month at the Ash Tennis Center in Soweto, south of Johannesburg, as well as the Rittendale Tennis Club in the country's capital, Pretoria. Camp Director Siabule Langachela says the camps are aimed at improving and increasing the level of play and knowledge of grassroots tennis players. So what we seek to do is actually nurture and obviously unveil new talent that's coming up from uh, our different centers across the country. What happens basically is take all the people that obviously we see that they have potential, that have shown potential through our weekly coaching programs. They get forwarded into the district camps. They come and uh, distract their staff 
and uh, from there they get filtered or they get channeled through into what we call a national uh, qualifier camp, which obviously affords them an opportunity to go into the inter- to play international tournaments because we hold six of them. So the main main objective is just to one get the get the activity going and get obviously the talent coming through. And in football news, FIFA will meet some of its leading commercial partners tomorrow to discuss reforms. The meeting will take place in Zurich, although no further details are available. FIFA Secretary General Jerome Valk said last month that Coca-Cola, Visa and McDonald's had written asking for information about what was being done to clean up governance of the sport and offering to meet soccer's governing body. Valk's announcement came after Coca-Cola and Visa urged FIFA to support the creation of an independent body to reform the way it is run. Nkwesi Nyataki has been handed a new term as president of the Ghana Football Association. Nyataki, who has been in office after winning two elections since 2005, stood unopposed following potential contestants of Fabia Ramatu and George Angoma's failure to submit their nominations before deadline. Congress, by popular acclamation, re-elected the bankroller of top fight side, War All Stars, for a new term of office that will span through to the end of the 2018-2019 Ghana football season. And in athletics, Britain's Sebastian Coe has been elected president of the International Association of Athletics Federation, beating Ukraine's Sergei Bubka by 115 votes to 92 in a ballot at the governing body's 50th Congress. The former Olympic 1,500 meters champion will replace Senegalese Lamine Diak, who has run the body for the last 16 years at the end of the World Championships in Beijing, which ran from the 22nd to the 30th of August. Ko's initial term will be for four years. Bubka, a former Olympic pole vault champion, congratulated Mr. Ko on his victory before being elected one of the four IAAF vice presidents. And the organizers of the Soweto Marathon, the Soweto Marathon Trust, are expecting a bigger and a better race this year after securing a title sponsor for 2015. The historic race did not take place two years ago following the running battles between the former president of Athletic South Africa, James Evans, and the Marathon Trust, which are the rights holders for staging the annual event. The prize money for the race winners has now been doubled. Silo Kuno says participants can enter one of three distances on offer the standard 42-kilometer marathon, the 21-kilometer half marathon, and the 10-kilometer race. Last year we had a lot of complaints because the 21K and the 10K were running mostly in industrial areas. So we heeded the call and we would like to promise all the people who complained that uh, we have changed the routes. All the routes are running in acres. Uh, the 10K route uh, will come into Deep go to Orlando and go back and uh, the same with the 21k they will have a good scenario and uh, most importantly supporters will be lining up the routes the 24 year old famous race failed to attract the necessary sponsors due to intense fighting but kuno says they have dealt with that problem most definitely is water under the bridge nothing of the sort will ever happen again especially 
when we have this type of sponsorship from all these companies. So nothing can ever go wrong with that support because in fact we are planning or aiming to grow the sponsorship base. The registration platform is open so we are asking all the runners to please register uh, because we are looking for 21,000 runners. The earlier you register, the better. That's a Sport News this hour. for the sports update and that's how we wrap up African Dialogue. Remember we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time and you're welcome to interact with us. You can do that on our Facebook page and on Twitter. You can also SMS your views to plus two seven zero seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. From me, Asanda Matsaunyane and the rest of the team, it's been a pleasure. We'll be together again tomorrow and here's uh, Johnny Clegg now taking us to the top of the hour with a song titled Scatterlings of Africa. Goodbye.